Acts chapter four. Um, man, I love, I love getting to be here with you. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for making the choice to, to come into this place and to be with God's people. And uh, I just expect God has something for us this morning. So I hope that you come with expectation for God to speak, not just to the person beside you, but to you, that God has something to, to say and to speak into your heart and to your reality this morning. And so um, I, I love the Bible. I love especially the book of Acts because it gives us such insight into our history as followers of Jesus. And I, I realize as I've been, we've been kind of working through the book of Acts the past couple of months is that you learn so much as you look back. And this is just true in, in all of life. And so I remember a conversation I had with my grandmother a, a couple years ago. My grandmother's this 87-year-old woman, this woman who's just filled with joy and filled with faith. And, and she's just this amazing woman of God. And I look at her life and all that she's been through. You know, my granddad uh, that she was married to, he died when I was three. And so she's been a widow since 1988. Um, this past week, she just she just buried her daughter, you know, who died of ALS. And so, you know, my, my grandmother, the, I'm watching her and she's just, just filled with just joy. And I'm going, how in the world is that even possible in the midst of this? And I recall this conversation that I, I was asking her because my whole story, my whole remembrance of my grandmother is that she just been a follower of Jesus her whole life. And, and I remember as a kid growing up and of the old people would get together at five o'clock at church and they would just sing. And, and I realized, oh man, I wanted, I wanted to be there. And so it was me and all the old people at our church that so would get there at five and then we'd have church at six. And, and, and I remember that for her, her whole life has just been about the Lord. And so I remember just asking her one day, like, hey, did you just like, did you, were you born a Christian? Like just come out of the womb, just like singing and, and worshiping. And so she begins to tell me some about her story of coming to know the Lord. And she was telling me about how as a little girl that often that her, you know, her parents would take her to church, but there were many times that no one would take her to church. And so she would, she'd walk to church. I don't know if this is like a grandparent story, right? You're like, wait, my grandparent told me the same story, right? And, and, and maybe that's also true, but I, but I realized that in, in my grandmother's heart was this hunger for God. That as a little girl, like she wanted to be in the presence of God. And, and what's so cool is that, man, that, that is my roots. That this desire to, to be in God's presence and so often as you look back, it doesn't just provide insight into your history. What it does, it provides insight into your destiny. That as you look back and you see the things, the, the choices that have been made, it gives you insight into the person that God has made you to be. And not just your destiny, but the legacy that you, your life will live. And I just was asking this, mean, this week, what is the legacy that we are creating for the wake of people that are coming behind us? Do you realize that, that we are writing Christian history right now if you're a follower of Jesus? That, that we are setting the stage for the next generation. And the, the question I want us to wrestle with is, are we setting the next generation to, 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 to succeed for the Lord? You know, you think about your, your kids, for those of you who have children, or, or, or the kids that you teach at school, for those of you who are school teachers, or the neighbors that you have, or the family that you have, or your coworkers, that every single person will be impacted by you in your life. But what kind of an impact Will you make? What kind of legacy do you want to leave? The people behind you, around you. I look at my kids, I have three little kids, and when I think about, man, them growing up and the, and the people that I want them to, to, to become, I don't want them just to think about me as their dad. I want them to surpass me in every way. 
I want my kids to grow up being passionate about Jesus. I want them to be so filled with, with worship and joy that you can't keep them out of the presence of God, that, that they are free to worship God joyfully in singing and in dancing, not just in their home, but in the public places of worship. I want my kids to love people deeply. I want them to, to see beyond the, the, the surface and to see a soul which, which God desires. I want them to serve people. I want them to grow up and to be more passionate about the kingdom of God than they are about anything else this life has to offer. I want my kids to grow up and to, to, to live into the legacy that Courtney and I are trying to create for them. But I'm going, man, what am I doing right now to help pave that way? Or what do I need to start doing right now? Am I helping the things that I'm doing, the choices that I'm making, am I helping or am I hindering the next generation to succeed in the Lord? You know, we've been studying the book of Acts and we've been looking at this movement, how it began with one man named Jesus and his 12 followers and a few of other men and women and, and how it has grown to become, literally it, it accounts for one fourth of the world's population, which is pretty amazing to think about. One person starting something that now impacts a fourth of the world. And I go, we still got work to do, right? We've got a quarter of the world that, that knows and loves Jesus. We still got three quarters that, that need to come to know his goodness in his heart. But, 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 but we've been in this story and, and where we pick up today is we get this 30, thousand foot view, this, this drone view of what God was doing in the life of, of our ancestors thousands of years ago. And I love what it says. I love what Caroline just read, read to us. It says in verse 32 of Acts chapter four, all the believers were one in heart and mind. You know, this is a prayer that Jesus prayed in John chapter, John chapter 17, right before he got on the cross. He, he prayed, Father, would you help them to be one? as we are one. And so what's happening in Acts chapter four is a prayer that Jesus prayed is actually being answered by the people of God that, that they're living into this. But I've been asking, man, what does it mean to be of one heart and one mind? And this was a, a Hebrew way of saying that they were devoted to Jesus and they were devoted to each other. That, that the people, that our ancestors, that as we look back in our history, that, that what you see is a group of people that were radically committed to, to Jesus and, and to each other, they were committed to to the people who were sitting beside them and they were committed to taking the good news of Jesus to those people who weren't yet beside them in the kingdom of God. They were taking care of each other and they were taking this, this call to, to advance the kingdom, to share the good news with all the world. They were taking it very seriously. And I, and I love this because I see this in our church family. Like so often, I mean, I don't know if you do this, but as you're reading through the Bible, you'll read something and you realize, oh, I'm not quite there. And then there are times where you read something in the scriptures, you're like, no, we're actually living into this. And it's the most encouraging, invigorating thing. I, I see this in you. I see the, the deep love that you have for, for, for God's people. Several families in our church here at Marathon are fostering right now. And I don't know how familiar you are with that, but there are hundreds of kids that are in the, the foster care system just waiting for families to bring them into their home. And there are a couple of families at our church that, that have committed to, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna welcome them into our home and raise them alongside of our kids. And it's amazing. And so one of the things that my wife does is she coordinates meals for people that are fostering or people that have new kids or people that are going through hard stuff in life. And I was unbelievably just amazed at how many of you, people from our marathon family, showed up to take them meals. And I'm going, man, that's incredible. Because I know a lot of you are, have young kids yourselves. And you're working full days yourselves. And I go, man, I, I see this in you, the way that you're caring for the people around you. I see this in, in house churches. How many of you are, are leading house church every single week? You open up 
your home. I think about Jake and Nancy. You open up your home every week. You prepare. You invite people in. And why are you doing it? Because you care about the people beside you. I think about Joey Robertson. You guys know Joey. His mom died just a, a few months ago. You know, he's in his 30s. Think about that. Just what he's going through. I remember showing up to, to, to visitation and seeing just so many of you there. I'm going, that's it. Like caring for each other in the highs and in the lows, just this commitment that, that I am here for you. You see it in Acts 4. I see it right in front of me, but it's not just this commitment to, to taking care of each other. I see this taking the, 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 this call to share the good news. And I see that in you. Think about my brother Casey, who, you know, Casey spends several weeks of the summer in Ukraine because he cares about people who don't know Jesus. Or I think about Nana, one of the pastors that's on staff here and, and listening to the way that she talks, you know, she works another job and, and she works here as well. And the way that she talks about sharing her faith and, and praying over people and, and the way that she is constantly just breathing and speaking Jesus and the goodness of Jesus. And I see it, I see it in the way that we're choosing to fast. You know, we, 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 as a church family, we've committed to taking one day every month to just praying and fasting for the people in our city who don't know Jesus. And I don't know how that works. But I know that, that when you choose to set aside food for a day and you instead fill that time, man, on your knees, crying out for people who don't know Jesus. You know, this is what he talked about in Luke chapter seven. He says, don't give me any rest. This is in Isaiah as well. Hey, don't give God any rest. Deny yourself rest, deny yourself because of, 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 of you understanding that you need and you want God to move. Think about it, that there are people in your life, there are people in my life who do not know Jesus. And for us to understand, it is our job. It's our joy to, to share that to share Christ with people. And I see this in our church family. I go, man, it's crazy that, that you would choose to, to fast. It's crazy that, that you would choose to make relationships and, 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 and friendships uncomfortable because you care about someone's soul. I see it in Acts 4. I see it in our church family. I love it keeps going. They were all in one. They were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had. You know, I don't know what they were sharing in the first century. Were they all farmers? Were they just like sharing their oxen and sharing their farm? I don't literally know. I don't know what it all is that they were sharing, but I look at our context and I see this being true for us. Sharing what, what we have, not holding on to, to the things that God has given to us, but, but putting on the table saying, whatever I have is yours. I think about Kevin and, and Bailey. Several months ago, Court and I were looking for a babysitter. And so we invited them. Hey, will you guys come and babysit? Well, you know, we, we just need someone to watch our crazy kids. And at the end of the night, they, they watch our kids and they're like, hey, we're not, we're not gonna, we don't wanna take any money for tonight. We're like, no, we wanna pay you. We asked you to come here because we, we wanna pay you. And they said, no, we're not taking any money. And, and they get it. They're going, man, what, what do we have? We have our time. Or I think about Will and Karen who are in our house church. And a, a couple of weeks ago, my family, the flu hit our family. The girls, not the boys, somehow we stayed out of the flu, but all of our girls were sick. And I remember Karen reaching out to Court and she's like, does Brandon know how to cook? And Courtney gave just the best answer she could. She's like, 
he can do some eggs and some grilling, but like he's pretty limited. And, and so they're like, well, we will help. And so they, they bring over dinner to us one night and I'm going, what? they're sharing what they have. I think about another person in our church family and, and, and the mower was messed up and they live right next to a, a church and this church family said, hey, use our mower. I think about how many of you, man, you, you give rides to people to, to the airport or rides to people to, to, to church. How many of you are sharing things that no one else in this room knows? And I'm going, I see this. And it's so unbelievably encouraging to be a part of a church family that doesn't just read something, but is actually living into it. And I compare this with the ways of the world. I was having a conversation with my neighbor a while ago and, and, uh, he has, a, he has this camper. And so me and the kids were just out, you know, getting out of the house, giving Courtney some time to re regain her sanity. And, and so we we're walking next door and, and he's showing us his camper. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. You know, who gets to use this? He's like, this is just mine. <laughs> I'm like, you don't let your kids use it? No, this is just mine. And I'm like, all right, dude, whatever. Like, and, and, and you think about the, the ways of the world is everything that we have, right? It's, it's mine and you can't have it. It's, it's for me, it's to serve my purposes and my glory and my comfort and my joy. And you see that compared to the ways of the church, of God's people, of our history, where it's, hey, whatever I have, it's yours. You need something, it's on the table. I can't take it with me to the grave anyway. Whatever I have, it's yours. And I see it in God's people and I see it in you. Verse 33. It says, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And, and, and I, I was thinking about that. They continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And they continued to testify because this was the thing on which everything hinges. It's the, the resurrection of Jesus. And it's so beautiful. And yet it's so often the thing that we don't share, right? But they understood as, in their context that, that people needed to understand that Jesus was alive and we need to know that. And your neighbors and your family needs to know that, that Jesus is alive. He's not some dead prophet laying in a tomb. He is the king of heaven, that he is available to help us, to strengthen us, to reveal to us. Do you realize that in your times of need, when your heart is broken, when, when you need a word, when you need the Lord to come through, there's a God in heaven who is eagerly ready to come to your need? And the world needs to know that Jesus is alive. The world needs to know that, that the resurrection of Jesus because they need to understand that, that death, in the same way it couldn't keep its grip on Jesus, it will not keep its grip on us. Right, like death is the thing that we fear most in life. It's the most uncertain and Jesus came out of it. We have nothing to fear. Our leader, the one who started this movement that we were a part of, came out of death, and so will we. My son, this past week, we were driving to my aunt's funeral, and Jones asked me, so dad, are we gonna see Aunt Cindy's body go to heaven today? <laughs> and I'm like, that would be awesome. But, but no, we're not gonna see that today. Like, but the reality is that, that one day, every person that has died, will be raised to life. This is a promise of Jesus. And because of Jesus, we don't have to fear that moment. And it's not that, that Jesus is alive to help us. It's not that he just has taken the sting out of death. I love the, the other reality of the resurrection is that our sin has been dealt with. This is why Jesus died. 
And in the same way, sin didn't get the final word in Jesus' life, it doesn't get the final word in our life either. And I know you, I know you're a bunch of sinners and I am too. And Jesus' death deals with our sin and his resurrection is, is the thing that gives us hope. To know that, yeah, we did. We all have, man, we all have past that we are so ashamed of, right? If you're a follower of Jesus, you look back and you're like, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I wouldn't have said that. And I can't believe I dated that person. I can't believe I did that. We all have that stuff. And because of Jesus, that is not the final word in our life. And so they keep preaching resurrection. Why? Because it's what people need to hear. It's what you need to hear. It's what I need to hear, that Christ is alive. He's willing to help. He wants to help you no matter what you're going through. Christ is alive. He's taking the sting out of death. Christ is alive to forgive us of our sin. And this was absolutely crucial for the spreading of Christianity. Think about this. Had the apostles not spoken, we would not be here. Now, God can work in mysterious ways. He revealed himself to Paul supernaturally, but he has told us it is your job to share with the world the resurrection of Jesus. And I realized that, that for the majority of us who are Christians, like we know that, like we know that that's our job, right? None of you are like, oh, really? I'm supposed to do that? The, the reality is that the majority of us go, yeah, I don't know how. I was talking to Sam earlier this week and, and he was telling me about a guy in our church who's trying to just help make this really simple about how we share our faith. And I think it was so beautiful that, that for for you who are follower of Jesus, that, to, to, to figure out, hey, what is one just God moment in your life? One thing that God has done where, where God drew near, where God lifted you up, where God revealed his clarity and, and figure out as, as, as you're telling people about God, just share that story and connect it to the reality of the resurrection. And you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have all the knowledge of the scriptures, but you have an experience. You have a story where God has met you or he has proven to you that he is alive connect those dots. So for me, I just think about a very practically, this is an example. So, so that you guys can go, okay, this is how you do it. I remember the day that my son was born and we had been praying up until that day of birth. My wife had had some, um, not complications, but she was a high risk for, for pregnancy. And so we were praying, God, would, would you just give us a safe delivery? Like, let this thing go smoothly. Let this little boy come into the world. Let it just, just, just deliver, just deliver him safely. So that's my prayer leading up to the day of delivery. And, and, and on the day of delivery, we had some family drama going on. You guys don't know anything about that, right? Like none of you have any family drama going on. And, and I remember the, the, there was some family drama going on in the waiting room and, and, and I was so angry. And I wanted to leave Courtney by her bedside and go and put my family in their place. I didn't do that. And, and, and I stayed there and I just felt the Holy Spirit just say, hey, just pray that I am with you. And I'm like, okay. I don't want to pray that. I want to pray lightning bolts, right? I want to pray, I want, I want to pray uh, muteness and, 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 and blindness of eyes, but, but I know that I need grace too, so I'll pray that you're with me. And so I kid you not, we're, we're kind of gearing down, getting ready for, to, to, to push. I'm not getting ready to push. Courtney's about ready to push. And, and I opened my utmost first highest, and on June 27th, the verse for the day from uh, my utmost first highest from Oslo Chambers was uh, from Jeremiah chapter one, where it says, I'm with you to deliver you. And I'm like, Lord, you're alive. And it's, and it's that simple for, for, for us to just go, hey, you might have just one story, one moment where God did something and let that be the thing that you just, let that be the horse that you ride and see how God uses it. 
connect it to the resurrection, connect it to the fact that Christ is alive. And, 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 and the reality is that if we do this, God will work through it. God will bless it. He promises us. I love it. It says that God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. Some of you, the, the reason you don't share your faith is because you don't know how. And some of you, the reason you don't share your faith is because you don't have faith yet. And that's okay. Right? I, I, I want to ask you, have you truly accepted God's grace for your life? Has God's grace come all the way into your heart, all the way into your mind? I think back on my life and all the sin, man, all the sexual immorality, all the lies, all the gossip, all the slandering, all the judgment. And the reality is that God, he looks at our sin and he tells us in the scriptures that the wages of sin is death. So what that means is that when we sin, what we owe God is, is death. We are, we are dead to God. Like when we sin, that is what God sees. He sees a dead heart that is not beating. There's separation from God. We are spiritually dead. Right? Here, here's an example. <clears throat> you rack up debt on your credit card and the credit card company doesn't call you and say, hey, you know what? I know that you're sorry for what you did. Let's just forget it ever happened. Right, when, when my kids do something wrong, they do something hurtful. Kids in your class, for those of you who are teachers, when, when a kid's being disrupted, if, if you're in a company and someone's stealing from your company, you don't just go, it's all right, no big deal. Right, and, and, and only when we truly grasp that, that we've earned death, that what our actions have done is separate us from God forever, and you go, Brandon, isn't that extreme? Isn't that a bit exaggerated? Is my sin really that big of a deal? And what happens is that it reveals that we truly don't understand what our sin is and what our sin does, and we don't understand grace. God looks at us and he says, there's a price to pay for what you've done. And I wanna pay it for you. My dad, when I was 16, I was learning how to drive as a cocky 16-year-old. And I'm backing up and I back right into my friend's truck and I'm like, oh, I'm such an idiot. Like, and I go home and I'm telling my dad, I'm like, I wasn't paying attention. I backed into my friend's truck. I don't have any money, but I'll figure out how to take care of it. And my dad comes up to my room a little bit later and he said, I'm gonna take care of it. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, Why? Why would you do that? And, and, and when we start asking that question with God, we look at our sin and God says, I wanna pay for it. That's when God gets what God wants, which is our heart. Where we start to go, God, why would you do that for me? Look how I've treated you. Look how, look how I've, I, I've, I've shown no reverence for you. Look how I've used my life for my glory instead of yours. Why would you do that? That's when God starts to get what God wants, which is us. It's, this is not a manipulation move. Jesus is not a way that, that God gets to control us. Jesus is a way to unlock us and unleash us. And when we understand the goodness of Jesus, what he has done for us, our hearts are filled with gratitude to a God that gave it all for us, who took all of our sin and all of our rebellion, put it on his shoulders. God loves you. God wants relationship with you. God loves your neighbor and your family, wants relationship with everyone. 
And I love is that, that what we see happening is that when God's grace really gets a hold of us, when there's a deep gratitude in your heart to God for what God has done for you, that, that grace is never just internalized. It always leads to, to making an impact on others. And that's what you see the rest of unfolding here in Acts chapter four and verse 33. Sorry, in verse 34. It says, there were no needy persons among them for from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money and they put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, sold a field he owned and he brought the money and he put it at their feet. You see, what was happening is that they were people who were truly storing up treasures in heaven. They valued people more than they valued their own stuff. They're selling things that benefited them. They're benefited them socially and financially and they're giving it away. And I love the way that Barnabas does it because it's so countercultural to the, the way things were done back then. You know, you would present a gift and you would do it in a way that you would receive all the honor and that people would know. And I love the humble way which Barnabas does it. He comes where no one else is looking and he lays it at their feet. A couple years ago, the first year that we had a retreat here at Marathon, there was a couple that came up to me and they said, hey, we want as many people to be able to come to retreat as can. And so if there are any people that can't pay, you let us know, we'll pay for them because we want them to be there. Or I think about Jessica and, and John, their, their daughter-in-law, this is really cool. And last fall, she's part of our church family, trying to raise money. You know, we take a big offering every November to, to give toward the global work of God, especially in India the past few years. There's a girl from our church who was trying to sell her wedding dress to give that money away. Think about that. See, Barnabas, this man, he's gonna be an incredibly important part to the spread of Christianity. We're gonna learn more about him in the months to come, but I want us to see this. Before he was ever in the eye of the public, before he, before he was ever in a place of influence, he was impacting others in the private places by sacrificing for their good. You know, you come here today and, and I want you to know, you, have, you and I, we, we have no idea what the plans that God has for our lives. We really don't. You have no idea the destiny which you will fulfill and the legacy that you will leave behind. If you come here today though and you know that God has more for you than what you're currently experiencing, I wanna encourage you because maybe God is refining you in the private places. He's making you like Christ so that when he does give you a mantle of leadership or a place of, of, of influence or a place of authority, a place to share his goodness and his glory, maybe he's hiding you right now and refining you so that when that day comes, you've been tested and you've been proven that you can handle the authority that God's given to you. And I wanna encourage you to think about how are you influencing others? How are you investing in the kingdom of God and the people of God when no one else is watching? You see, this is not just about our history. This is about our, our destiny and the legacy that God is inviting us to leave behind. We're gonna take communion here in just a minute. And I wanna invite you to, to think about this. If, if you're not a follower of Jesus, do you want to become his follower? Do you want to follow Jesus? 
Man, do you want to know the God of, of the heavens who is alive, who does love you, who takes great delight in you? Do you want to know this God? Do you want to experience forgiveness of sin? Do you want to have hope and peace in this life, not being fearful of death? Then Christ is your answer. I love what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 10. He says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And in and, and, and their culture, it was it was. Um, typical. The person who was in charge was Caesar. And so what everyone said was Caesar's Lord. And so Paul is saying, no, for people who really understand it, it's, it's not Caesar's Lord. It's Jesus's Lord. That Jesus is your highest authority, that Jesus is the one that you live for, that Jesus is the one that you find all of your identity and your worth, the one who provides for you and fights for you and who takes care of you. It's not the one who's in charge of the government. It's the one who's in charge of the heaven and earth. And so tonight we, we have a a celebration. We do this a couple times a year where we get all of our campuses together and we, and we have baptisms. And baptisms is a place that, that you get to go public with, with your faith. It's a place where, 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 where Jesus sees your, your love for him. It's this place where, where you go down into the water and your sins are, are done and, and the person that you were is laid aside and you come up the same way Christ came out of the tomb, a new person with a clean slate filled with the spirit of the living God. And if you come here today and you go, I need help in life. You don't just need a, help, a self-help book and you don't just need a life coach. You need Jesus. You need the Holy Spirit to live inside of you, to give you strength, to say no to temptation. You need the Holy Spirit that gives you hope in the midst of hard stuff. You need the Holy Spirit who gives you power to proclaim the gospel. You need the Holy Spirit. And so tonight, I encourage you. If you've been feeling the call, man, I want to become more serious about life with God. Give your life to him in baptism. If you've never done that, if you've never responded to him, give your life to him in baptism. And there will only be celebration there. No one there is going to judge you or go, man, I thought they were already Christians. This, this is a place of, of worship. And so tonight at five o'clock, if you want to get baptized, fill out that card that's in your seat or just show up tonight. And for the rest of you, come tonight that it means so much when people come and, and, and they share in the joy. And so it, 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 it's a night where, where we don't just need people to get baptized. We need people to come and celebrate those who are getting baptized. So come tonight, bring your kids. For the rest of us, can we throw that slide up for me real quick, Caleb? As we take communion, I want us to, to wrestle with this question. So we do this, we go and get a piece of bread and a cup of juice and, and you can take it by yourself, but it's so much more meaningful if if we'll lean into to sharing and speaking and, and doing this together. And so I invite you to let the walls down and to answer this question. When you consider the man or the woman that you wanna be and the legacy you wanna leave in the Lord, what is one step you wanna take today? So for some of you, you realize, man, that you've been putting a whole lot more stock in the, in the world, literally. You've been, you've been spending all your money on the ways of the world. And today, man, maybe the Lord's going, hey, I want you to start being generous towards the Lord and his people. So for some of you, man, maybe the step is, hey, I'm gonna start just giving. For some of you, it's, it's I wanna become more committed here. You realize that everything that happens here today, every chairs that are set up, the communion that is poured, the people that stand outside and welcome people, that's all done by volunteers, the, 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 the work that's done in the kids' classroom. And so if you're going, man, I wanna be more committed, so often it's not just a feeling, it's a choice. I invite you to, to, to volunteer. 
For some of you, maybe the step that that you need to take is that you need to share what Jesus has done in your life. Maybe that's the the one thing that you need to do this week. You've been been feeling God say, hey, I want you to share. So now you know how. One story in your life connected to the resurrection. And for some of you, maybe the step that you need to, to, to take today is you need to get right with God. And I don't say that to to create fear, but I go, every single one of us, we will stand in front of Jesus one day. You will stand face to face with your maker. And for those who have given their life to, 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 to pressing into the heart of God and to loving God, and it's not that you're walking perfectly, but you're quick to confess and you're quick to repent and, and you really are putting the best of your life into the kingdom of God, it will be a glorious moment to see your maker, it says, well done, Maury. Well done, Drew. Well done, Amy. Well done, David. And for some, it's gonna be a glorious moment. And the reality is that for others, it's gonna be this gloomy moment. And I, go, I encourage you, man, get right with God today. But not just get right with God. Let's take this call so seriously. It's so easy to, to leave this place and, and to just slide back into to letting lesser things take the top priority in our life. I go, man, people need the hope of the resurrection. They need Jesus. And you have him. So let's share. Let's pray. God, we need you. We want you, God, fill us with courage. I think about it in my own life and how I'm such a coward when it comes to sharing my faith and I'm so scared of what people are gonna th- say and what they're gonna think. And God, help me to get past that because I care about their souls, God. I care about them knowing you and walking in fellowship with you and having oneness with you and with us. And God, I pray that you'll just unleash a spirit of courage in us. I pray that you'll unleash a spirit of, of love, uh, for, for others in this room, God, that you would help us to carry each other's burdens. God, that you would give us a love for this neighborhood. That you give us a love for the people who don't know you. And God, that it would all come because we understand what you've done for us. And so God, help us. God, help us to get right with you and to love you and to live for your glory. Thank you for these men and women. If I said anything today that was not from you, let it be forgotten. But let the things that are from you bear fruit in our lives for generations to come. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.